Hey, listen up, spuds. This is Zap Brannigan, eh? master of time, space, and everything else in between. And, uh, oh, yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. Yeah. You're listening to You Suck with Al and Tom. You're one stop for this sort of thing. Yeah. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to You Suck Podcast with me, Alex Whiteley. How are you? And me, Tom Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> you looked a bit like, what the fuck is going on? I didn't realize you. I don't know. Why am I doing yeah. here? What's going yeah. on? Where am I? Who are you people? Where's my wife? Shut up. <laughs> Scared. Sad. Oh. I have no reaction. What is a podcast what do do exactly? <laughs> uh, actually, I had a I had a 17-year-old ask me what a podcast was because oh come on like the re- the rest of my employees are kind of like you know they're used to it now like they used to me going like oh, i talk to famous people and i do it with a british guy every week it's hot we we vocally arouse each other and um so we, i was kind of like giving a little explanation with uh, one of my associates kind of like chiming in like oh he does it with a british guy oh he does this and <clears throat> she's like so what's a podcast and i was like you're fired get out of my store right yeah. now I'll tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking that that speaks to intelligence, right? You can't have unintelligent people work for you. I think it, it, it's, it's it, it, <laughs> if you don't know what a podcast is or a YouTuber or a blogger or a vlogger or anything like that, but I feel like you kind of you've stepped away from the mainstream, which is kind of commendable in some respects. Well, I think it's like not a choice thing. She um she's a Jehovah's Witness, dude. So like that's something oh, else okay. that's kind of weird. So like uh, you know, I don't I don't like to di- you know me, man. I don't like to disrespect people. In the same way that I am on the show is the same way I am in real life. I'm not going to sit there and berate you for whatever choices you make, whatever religion you are. That's not the way to live your life. So like you know, I found out she was a Jehovah's Witness and I was like, I was just asking her questions and shit. But she doesn't like uh, one thing I thought I, I found kind of charming, but kind of weird at the same time. Uh, you went to prom, right? A promenade, a promenade. No, I got I got expelled from school before prom happened. What? What did you get expelled for? I I had seriously bad depression when I was in school, and I sort of um, I played hooky for like three months solid. Oh. So like, yeah, you're not welcome here anymore. What? Nothing bad. I didn't like burn a <laughs> toilet down or something. You know, I was. <laughs> I just so literally... when you. So you got the letter from Dumbledore saying that you're no longer welcome at Hogwarts. This is what happens. Did it come by? I, turn, I turned up. My my head of year was like, "You might as well go home. There's two days left, and don't come to prom either." That's pretty much what she said to me. Wow, wow, mm. really? Yeah. Like, that's bull- I mean, like I think they have similar rules. When when I was getting just just offshoot, you could like bring upperclassmen and people that weren't even in high school to prom. They were like, "Yeah, bring whoever you want," because they couldn't control who you dated. So you could bring like your thirty year old boyfriend. Does you know someone that get good shit? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, dude. Pretty much, like they kind of your like- mic is coming across really loud. By the way, it's like probably like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah. It? Oh, that's yeah. not good. I don't want my mic to come across loud. I like to come out across nice and sweet. Um. Anyways, so like this girl went to uh, went to prom, and she was like, um, my mom went with me. I was like, oh, like as a chaperone. She's like, no, as my date. And I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, look, it's not it's not all about getting your, your leg over, is it? You know, I mean, and even though that is the, that is the, 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 the main mom, it's prom. I expect two things at the end of the night, a good fucking time and pussy. 
Try turning that mic down just a tiny, tiny bit. I don't know why it's coming across really loud, but just try and turn the gain down just a tiny bit because I want people to hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, sure. it's, I mean, oh, even wow. though it's, it's like it's it's a give me better? something loud. Not 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 too loud. Hey, Alex, can you hear me? Yeah, that's better. A lot better. No, sure, um, you're yeah. lying to me. You're lying to me right now. I don't like when you lie to me. I can sense it through the microphone. It, you know what, right? When you think about prom and stuff. And you, you yeah. know, you talk about medieval times when people got married and people would stand and cheer when someone, you know, they consummate the marriage. It's like, it's not, yeah, it's not that far. Like America, they're kind of like, yeah, you go to prom, you go to a party and you get laid. And it's kind of like, that's like mm. the accepted thing. It's not that far away from it. If you think about it, if you think about it's it, true. it's not. Parties have not changed a lot in like the last like hundred years. I bet you everybody that was in like medieval times are like, "Oi, you go into you know Bridget Bridget's party tonight? They're getting hitched and shit." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm totally gonna fuck somebody." He's like, "All right, stick my sword and say I'm a knight." That's probably how it went. Yeah, absolutely. You, oh, I mean, you just right. yeah through history. That's that's how things. <laughs> that's how things. Yeah. Right. Um, the book of Mandalorian. Hmm. The book of Boba Fett, that the, the latest series. We're going to spoil this, by the way. We've kind of been doing this every week, anyway. Every week. Um, every week. Every, every week. Every week. Um, okay, right. So we get we're at the point now because obviously this is going to go out like a week after this episode is released. We're talking about mm. the the episode of Boba Fett where the Boba Fett wasn't in it once. It was like you know, this has meat factory and there's the flappy door thing and then the Mandalorian just breezes through and I was just like. Hey, 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 <laughs> I paused it. I was watching with Shona. Obviously, that's why I watched Mandalorian or uh, Book of Fett with a Mandalorian. And um, all of a sudden, Mandalorian, I pause that rewind. I'm like, babe, 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 come here and watch this really quick. It's going on right now. And um, it, was, it was Mandalorian. And like, this just tells you, I think people are hating the Book of Fett just to hate it at this point because they they, they didn't have Boba Fett at once. And like, still hate it. It's garbage. Okay, right. So. If we watch this, if you watch the whole series of Book of Boba Fett or Mandalorian in one go as one movie, there would be a bit where, I don't know, uh, Luke Skywalker is dealing with Yoda whilst Leia is dealing with this. Like, they they, 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 they do span away where there's, like, conversations being had and long bits being done on, like, the Death Star. If you think of the Book of Boba Fett as one long movie, this Mm. one episode focused just on the Mandalorian and how he sort of fits into it. I like it. It kind of works. Okay. Um, so did you like him melting down the spear? Um, it kind of made sense that it made sense that there are rules. That's yeah. that's what I got out of that. There are rules like it doesn't matter how how badass you think you are, there are rules. And even to the point where she was like, Have you removed your helmet? He was kind of like, Yeah, I kind of had to. I mean, <laughs> this is the thing, right? He didn't go. I was I had internal bleeding. Um <laughs> they're trying to fix my brain. Like that that's just kind of what happened. Um straight up like take your take your helmet off, you're not a Mandalorian anymore. And I was kinda like Darth Maul had that dark saber. <laughs> it didn't seem to matter that they were kind of like, Yeah, you got a problem with it. I'll kill you, you know? Um yeah. I thought that was like I could tell instantly. I love movies and TV because like you they give you a very clear picture of what's gonna happen. The moment they look back at the big blue guy and they're like He's just like staring them down with the dark saber. You're like, oh, he's gonna try to get that dark saber. What a dick. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was interesting though. I, I think it's like, why do you do you have any idea of why? And I don't. I'm not saying like, do you know Alex? Because I do. I'm saying like, do you know <laughs> any idea why the dark saber fucking gets heavy? Like, what's that all about? 
It's because it's really strong in the Force. It was it was created by a Mandalorian Jedi a thousand years yeah. ago. It's it's yeah. full of magic and you know and um, like and anything. Metachlorians, there's dirty metachlorians all over that fucking thing. Yeah, <laughs> by the by the goo load. Um, no, it's 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 very strong in the Force, and and you know you've got to know how to wield it. Same as any lightsaber, really. When you I make your remember, I don't remember like uh like uh Han Solo picking up loose saber in fucking Empire and being like, This ain't so fucking heavy, how do I cut this tauntaun open? Uh, I don't know. I don't claim to know all the answers. I know you know who would know all the answers. Eric Fluger. Mr. Eric Fluger, we need yeah, to get him on. Uh, pr- all right, let's bring in our guest today, Eric Fluger. Fucking answer this questions about the dark saber, please. Okay, thanks, Eric. Goodbye. <laughs> but yeah, I've, to go back to what you were saying earlier, I think people are hating on this. Just to hate, they're just the most menial things. Uh, I saw a comment um, earlier yesterday. It was like, oh, but the car, the car fixing scene was really boring. I was like, ah, do you expect awesome. TV and movies just to be like bow, 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 all the way through? Like, no, that was a really nice scene. I really Plus, it. wasn't that Queen Amidala's ship, if I'm not mistaken? Like, I mean, one like of, I know one of one of. Well, they yeah. say that, but like how they haven't they don't have like lineage and papers well, for that Anakin, far back. It could be. Anakin just threw up in one of those one of those ships and destroyed a destroyer. Like that's one of the things. Yeah. Let's do a barrel roll. That's fun. You know, that was the ship. Yeah, you know? that was cool. That was um, dope. Fucking I, I like that. Like once again, I, I really like and plus Bryce Dallas Howard did this episode. Like, let's not like even that's the come second close one she's to, done, isn't it? Isn't it? Is it the done. second one she's done? Which one? Yeah, she she did one of the Mandalorian. She did one one of them episodes. Did she? She did, yeah. I'm fine. I don't pay attention yeah. to that stuff. I don't care about the people that make the show. I just like it. I'm opening up two IMDBs now. Uh, <laughs> for um, for just a database website, IMDB takes up some serious juice on your internet. Did you notice that? Mm. Um, first, we have an amazing guest coming on in a minute. We have we have Chris Battle, who is an amazing animator, worked on some of the most amazing things that we can talk about. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Bryce, uh, how is she? Oh, there she is. Um, yep. But yeah. She did that one, and um, yeah, I, I, I'm really interested because there's only like two episodes left of, of Boba Fett, and I think maybe that's what? what's frustrating. Yeah, there's only like seven episodes uh, one from what I what I hear. That's what that's what the uh, JC said or Bamf said on um, <laughs> Fat Man Beyond um, was saying that there's only seven episodes. So uh, I don't like that. I'm, I like Book of Fett quite a bit. I mean, how many episodes were in uh, Mandalorian? Uh, give me up. Oh, hold on. So she did. Uh, <laughs> she did two episodes of the Mandalorian. She did uh, chapter eleven, the Hyres, and the or the Heiress, should I say? And chapter four, yeah. Sanctuary. Um, and then she did this episode of, of Boba Fett. She's also doing uh, Flight of the Navigator. Isn't that the Owl movie? I don't know. I've no, that's something else. That's something else. A but... child returns after the spirit. The spirit. The superior. <laughs> Words, Whiteley. A child (laughs) returns after disappearing for over a decade, and the world has aged without him. Scary. Isn't that what happens anyways? (laughs) 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 You know, stuff ages around you. You you look up one day. Could you imagine, like, disappearing in the 80s, right? Uh, and then doing this thing where you're in a bunker and you don't see anything, and you get up and the first thing you see is Elon Musk's Cybertruck. You'd be like, "Oh, fucking hell! Cars haven't gone, <laughs> they, they haven't developed at all. Like they're still the they've, same. <laughs> they've gone to the pot." Um, that, didn't they make a movie about that called Blast from the Past? Um, I don't know. Oh, you never saw that? It's a Brandon Fraser movie, and um, Alicia Silverstone's in it, and his uh, family. Brandon is Fraser, you say? His his uh, dad's Christopher Walken. And um, it's during the Cold War, 
and they think that you know they're going to get bombed and a plane crashes outside of their bunker because this guy's like one of those military genius type dudes and he seals the bunker for like i think 50 years or something until he has a heart attack and then his son has to go out into the world and try to like you know bring supplies and shit back and he's like a kid that's been raised by his two parents without seeing another human being ever and it's all about how he kind of lives he's got like these 1960s sensibilities to him he's got like old baseball court cards that are worth a fortune um he's got ibm stock and shit the dude's fucking like loaded because i know, you know the film you're on about i know you did the film you're on i just didn't recognize the name i remember it now yeah it's a good yeah. movie um really quickly because i mean we're guessing gonna pop up really soon um so i was thinking about something there was a meme that popped up with uh Toby Maguire in reference to uh, uh, Spider-Man, of course, which I still haven't seen. So I, I but spoilers to me. I know I now know these in it, hmm. um, which I guess is my own fucking fault. Right. If I wanted to know, know what I should have went and saw it beforehand. Well, see, it's your own fault. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. So I <laughs> so there's this meme popped up with Lois from Malcolm Middle because she was the mom in Pleasantville. And all of a sudden it reminded me of something. Do you remember Pleasantville? Yeah, I do. We've talked about this before. Yeah, I think yeah. it's one of the one of the most perfect films ever made. I do. It's it's a great movie. Great movie. Um fucking doesn't his mom at one point be like, Hey, where's your sister? She stays in Pleasantville. She doesn't go back. And her mom not once. What a horrible mom, right? Like if, if I lost one of my kids, if one of, if two of my kids pop back up from not being home after a shift at work, the first question I would have is, Where's your sister? Unless it's like Meg. Like, shut up, Meg. <laughs> shut up, Meg. <laughs> Did we have three shows? No, Peter. All right, cool. Whatever. <laughs> that, as well, I've been watching a lot of Family Guy recently. This is like Ooh. not not like because it's one of my go to sleep programs. Um, mm. which is the moment is a problem because the reason I've got blips and blips and shits, yo, behind me is because my wife had to move around and you've just got literally a boring wall in my bed behind me. So I thought blips and shits would be much better to look at. Um, like but like, are you going to play, uh, you're going to play Roy today? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to smash Morty's score, <laughs> which I've, apparently I've heard is not that hard to beat. But where she's not, not, not hard at all. <laughs> no, 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 buddy, not. We're back to the carpet score. Um, where she's put our chest of drawers, I can't see the screen when I lie down. So I'm like, what the? F- I can't fall asleep. So we're gonna have to have it. But yeah, and I love how they kind of just adapted. I've never, I hadn't watched Matt Family Guy for a few years, like new episodes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think they did well. They done well to sort of adapt to the modern I, era. I like Family Guy, but like I like old Family Guy, and I especially like there's a couple episodes that are just so perfect in my personal opinion. Like, uh, and then there were fewer. Uh, prime example of some of the greatest of Family Guy when they start killing off people in the in the mansion. I thought that was brilliant, um, and I like the episode where Stewie and Brian are in the in the uh, the, the, the bank Bank's vault, set. stuck on. Yeah. Dude, yeah, yeah, brilliant, fucking. It, it really shows you that they're they're really striving for something more than just a you know a, a funny you know TV fucking cartoon. I've been they watching. Uh, oh, go ahead, they did, you first. They did a Ghostbusters bit on Family Guy, which I absolutely <laughs> loved. Yeah, they were they were. Um, I think it was Joe and uh, and Peter having a duel, and um, <laughs> and then uh, Peter's like, "I've got a, a laser gun from from Ghostbusters," and it shows him like firing up at the sky. He's like, "Oh my god, I've got Adam West!" And he brings him down, and they catch him in the trap, and go, "Yeah, we'll keep him till we get a new mayor." Obviously, because Adam West. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> well, that's sad. Really sweet. Mm. Um, oh, I like. Ooh, ooh. I, I, I no go on do your thing and then uh, before I guess he gets here I will um, finish off with some nice news go on okay no no you think you got some nice news off no I'm gonna segue the fuck out of like uh, cult pop culture and stuff, okay so you, what, um, 
I don't know, I like stuff. I, I'm watching Simpsons again. I always get fucking caught back up and do it. That's my go-to for for like sleeping or, you know, I I, I always go back to Simpsons. And it was really cool because I was watching with Deacon, and I've got him trained. He was like, um, we were, I was watching Who Shot Mr. Burns uh, Part 2, and he's like, it was Maggie, right? And I was like, fuck yeah, it was. Up high, little guy. And I fucking high-fived him, and I was like, no, go get your dad some weed. And he took off and ran and got me my weed. No, he didn't do that part, but he did say you know, wasn't a Maggie. And I was like, yeah, it was man. I'm like, Maggie shot him. And fucking, he's like, so why do they think it's Homer? And I was like, hmm, because there was Simpson DNA on the gun. And it was right around the scene where Marge was like, um, no, no, no. I took everything, including Simpson DNA. <laughs> and, and Lisa doesn't like to me. I'm like, oh shit. She's talking about taking a load inside of her. <laughs> Lisa's like, sure. Mom. And she rolls her eyes at her. See, it says that those jokes that, not only do the kids not get, but also after a while, takes you you know you think about. But it's not the perfect test though to watch it with your kids. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. See what um, you, to see watch what, with the kids. They, yeah. See what they actually take in. Because I mean, I didn't get that as a kid either. That didn't. That didn't go on my. Was... We yeah. Uh, we just recently did the this weekend. We did the Ghostbusters marathon. So we did uh, Ghostbusters one, two, and then Afterlife. And Timmy loved it. He apps genuinely. He's like, Venkman is my favorite. I like when 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 they turned up. Spoilers, by the way, if you want to see Ghostbusters of Life, when they turned up at the end, he was like, Yeah, and he saw Bankman. He's like, Oh, Bankman is my favorite. Yeah, Bankman. What was that? <laughs> That's Kaz fucking about with my mixer. He just comes in and starts pressing buttons. <laughs> All of a sudden, your the- entire place blows up. You're like, That was the self destruct button, Kaz. You're banned. You're banned. No, don't ban her. She's doing too much work for us lately. You're unbanned, Kaz. Okay. Tom says you're unbanned. You're okay. Um, <laughs> that was the uh, the intro to the, the Shrewsbury Biscuit. Anyway, um, so we had something really cool happen in regards to Pod Aid, guys. And um, I did put a post about it on Facebook, but the listeners may may not follow me on Facebook, what have you. If you remember, back in September, we did Pod Aid uh, to raise money for Lingen Davis. It was a 24-hour podcast. We did it in partnership with Reach and with Web Orchard. And I want to say thank you to Charles and to Heather as well for micro videos that give us an amazing TV camera to use. Um, but uh, Shane um, in the background was he worked at Enterprise, the car place at the time. Mm. And every year they give £1,500 towards a number of charities or a charitable cause. And he was like, Yeah, we're doing this thing called Pod 8 if you, if you fancy it. And they were like, Yeah, yeah, whatever, bitch. I don't know. But they were like, Yeah, yeah, okay, wait, whatever. And, and <laughs> lo and behold, it came through. <laughs> It oh. came through. So we made just under £1,200 uh, for Lingy Davis from Pod Aid, which is amazing. Um, but on top of that, we had this £1,500 donation from Enterprise. And so our total for Pod Aid was £2,664 we raised for Lingen Davis. Yeah. And they gave me this card, which is, which is showing up weird because of the green screen. It, is. it says thank you. Um, and they they said that this purple badge um, is given to our, our amazing fundraisers who raise over um, two thousand five hundred for us. So this special purple badge <laughs> is a special little token that they give to people that only raise them two thousand five hundred. So this is for you. This is for you, Tom. This is for for for, for Jamie, for for Jules, share it? Um, for David, and for everybody that came on. Well, yeah, we're, we're gonna share. What you, I'll you wear it in your is. honor. <laughs> and you're you're wearing my honor. In, in your honor. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Sorry, that was a that was a. And then there were fewer quote because uh, remember when Drew Barrymore was with um, it was Brian's ex girlfriend Jillian. She was like, um, they're doing it in my honor. And he's like, that's honor, honey. Oh yeah. 
So that was that was that joke. I hope somebody out there got it because that was so. Anyways, um, so yeah, you wear two days. <laughs> I'll wear two days. David wears the two days, and then I guess Jamie gets it one day, and then we'll just switch off. It's a nice thing, and, and and you know, like by giving a little badge out like that and putting a specific color on for specific things, it's just a nice way of. It's like a rank, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I want a gold one. I want a gold one. Yeah. So we're we going to do Potted again this year. I know it was a nightmare to do. Son of a like... bitch. Was, yeah, we're going to do it. I didn't even do the logistics of it. It was hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we've got we've still got people that we can rely on, people that we can work with again. You know, you know um, there's still me. Shane is not He's not doing much with the biscuit at the moment. He's taking a break, but he's, he's already said he's he'll help out with Potted. So we've got Hit Me, Shane, you, we've got David, we've got Moose is well up for it. I spoke to Moose about it. He's like, yes, sign me up. I'll do it. And it's an amazing team. Just speaking of which, if you guys have not checked out the latest uh, Wednesday Night Live, which is now Thor's game, which is really, really cool. Um, I love the fact that it has that name. Yeah, fucking. Um, if you guys have not been checking out that, you really need to. Like what Moose and you have been doing recently is just phenomenal. It's, it, like, uh, I don't like to diminish my part at all, but like, it's just light years above where it was. And I, I think I, I enjoyed the fuck out of it. I like being a guest. I thought that was weird being a guest on like a show that I created. I like being a guest too. Nice. No responsibilities, <laughs> right? No, no. I just went in there with my dick out. And then I was like, there's a lady here. I was like, oh, let me zip up my balls at least. Because it's cool yeah. to show the shaft, right? It's cool to show the shaft. <laughs> just to let, just don't show the tip. So people leave, no, leave no, the imag- no tip. A bit of imagination. Um, so yeah, we, we, I mean, I, you suck is slowly coming back. We've got this amazing guest we've got coming today. And uh, we're speaking to some amazing, ama- like there's some amazing people that Kaz is speaking to at the moment, which, which I don't want to say because it'll jinx it. Um, yeah, but yes. Yeah, which so is why we, she was unbanned really quickly. You're trying to ban <laughs> She's putting the most work in right now. You're like, ban the one that's doing the work. Well, this is the Lower thing, the right? drawbridge. Because my wife is now my unofficial uh, talent agent, I guess. I don't know, booking agent, booking agent. Yeah, she feels like she can come in and start pressing buttons on my mixer. Which do you know what? Crack on! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. great, 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 great job. Um, the the guest we've got for you for you today is after working with with the amazing people we've worked with, like Billy West and Charlie Adler, and the, the people that made things from yesteryear, the things that give us that warm glow inside us, that, that nostalgic feeling. Um, when Kaz was like, I've got Chris Battle, who's an animator um, for, for a lot of what Cartoon Network have put out and uh, Marvel and, you know, so, so much from my youth. I kind of just uh, whelped inside a bit. I was like, oh, this is amazing. So um, I'm really excited to bring to you. Um, Chris, give us a thumbs up. He's back, he's back. Give us a thumbs up if you're ready to come in. Are you all right? You good? Yeah, he's there. He's there. Right. Introducing guys, uh, Mr. Chris Battle. Hi. Hey, guys. How you doing? How's it going? Yeah, all it's right. going well. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, I we are very very excited to speak to you because we we have a kind of uh, an addiction to nostalgia, right, Tom? When it comes to like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, nothing it's one... nothing better than uh, cozying up to the warm blanket of uh, of yesterday. And you, good sir, have had a huge without even knowing that you did everything that you've done until like I pulled the MDB. I was like, oh, I saw that, and I saw that, and I saw that. And you, it, it's funny because like the more we've been doing this for almost four years now and like we've worked with people that you've worked with so we got this like quasi connection in the background and it's always fun to you know kind of link those little dots and be like oh shit now we've talked to chris battle who worked with charlie Ad- uh, charlie adlard and who's worked with billy west and we've done interviews with paul so it was, Ooh, it was really, really you can't cool. get adlard and adler mixed up right there i mean because if you were like I'm, I'm gonna go and look at charlie adlard's back show. you're gonna see zombies in the show and get him 
beheaded. Like, <laughs> but yeah. So I worked with Charlie Affleck one time, and Charlie. it was really, it was really cool. He was excellent. He quacked at me a whole bunch. Got me really great insurance rates. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. It was good stuff. Um, so looking through it, sir. Um, I got to ask you something really quick right off the bat. Um, usually we kind of go into like how'd you get started, which we'll get to in a minute, but. Something really prevalent because it always pops up. My kids love Teen Titans Go. They do. They think it's it's phenomenal. I've tried showing them the older version of Teen Titans, which is the one that I saw when I was a kid. Uh, not really a kid, I guess. When I was a, basically an adult still watching cartoons. Yeah, and, um, like <laughs> and I like them both. I think they're great. And I see the I see the I, I love Teen Titans Go because it speaks to my kids. They did not care for the old Teen Titans. They don't give a they don't give two shits for it. But they love Teen Titans Go. Why do you think? Teen Titans Go speaks so well to this generation, but not to my generation, because there's so much weird, like fan toxic fandom when it comes to it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say because you know we're talking about properties that you know some of them are like over you know 60, 70 years old, and in the case of like uh, when I was a teenager, it was the new Teen Titans because you know Teen Titans existed since the sixties, and in the, the mid eighties, that was when George Perez and Marv Wolfman created the new Teen Titans, uh, as most people are familiar with them now. So there's always going to be new versions, you know. There's uh, there's like. Uh, you know, um, as a kid, uh, maybe I watched like Super Friends, uh, Batman, and maybe I saw those old 60s uh, Adam West Batmans. By the time I was a teenager, I was like, no, it's it's got to be the Frank Miller Dark Knight Batman. You know, even I was yeah. disappointed by Tim Burton's Batman and, you know, the endless versions. Right. So, you know, certain things speak to a certain time or a mindset. And and maybe and, and you know, as as an adult, I got to understand what camp was really all about. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, Adam West Batman is awesome. And <laughs> so is all these ridiculous Joel Schumacher's in a crazy way. But, yeah, you know, and it's, it, you know, when you're dealing with these classic legacy characters, they're timeless, which is really cool. And each generation gets their own version. And you can and you can either get with the new ones or you could go back and look at the past ones, you know, and, and not every version is for everyone. But, you know, uh, usually everyone gets a chance to experience one and may, maybe they'll come around, you know, and hold out hope for your kids because that original Titan series is awesome. It, it is great. I mean, the, and you know, I, I think I, I, but I like the fact that they found something that really speaks to them. And I don't know if it's the silliness of it or, mm-hmm. or the camp yeah. factor, much like the success yeah. of Batman or whatever it might be. But yeah. I love that it speaks to them because now they, they talk the same language I do. They'll be like, Oh, Robin. And you know, I'm like, yeah, man, you know what I'm talking about. All right, it's, cool. It's like, the gateway drug to all good nerdy. Yeah. Cause now they're going to get all these inside jokes. And someday when they're a teenager, you're all, okay, you see that little blue doll in the background. That's Dr. Manhattan. Now let me explain yes. who Doctor Manhattan is, and then they're going to get all these jokes that are in the background. I've been uh, I've been reading the Saga Swamp thing lately because um, I got the you know you always hear about Alan Moore and how great uh, that series was, how he really revived it, took it from Len Wein, and and really turned it into something else completely. So I've been reading them, and I actually like did a read aloud to my kids because there was the whole segment where uh, Abby Arcane gets taken to Gotham City and uh, she gets arrested for being in love with a plant monster and all that jazz. And there's that really amazing scene at the end where Batman starts telling the mayor, he's like, yo, you got to let Abby Arcane go. And he's like, no, she she fucks plants, bro. You can't let her go. <laughs> and he's like, listen, listen, she might fuck plants, but everybody's fucking somebody weird over That's here. That's the most Come Tom Bruno now. thing I've ever heard it's, in my life. It's, okay, I didn't like say to my kids, I didn't yell, but look, I'm like, listen, kids, everybody fucks somebody weird. I didn't say oh that to God. them. This is just a, a monologue. And um, they start dropping names like, you know, like, well, Starfires with this person from the Teen mm-hmm. Titans. I'm like, yeah, see, all right, there's connections. Mm-hmm. It's always a correlation between the two. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah you, you can bring out the positive lessons for kids, you know, uh, as is age appropriate, and, and it works. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you, if I mean, keep PG thirteen, drop one fuck every yeah. hour, and it's okay. It's good. But this is but the, basically this is... they can get to know all these really good nerdy in jokes that they can laugh at, or you, you, you they, they'll mm. elbow you in the ribs when they're watching a new Marvel movie and go, "Oh, I know what that's about. I get that joke." Uh, and this is the thing that uh, it took me a while with the, the the new cartoon network and the new style of things. It's taken me a while to to understand. And it sometimes it's about looking at those bigger pictures and sort of how things will develop for these kids going on. Um, we we spoke to Brian Graydon, who was uh, who pretty much built MTV as it is today. And me and Tom before then were kind of like, oh, fucking Kardashians and all this shit. Like, uh, what is MTV supposed to be these days? Until Brian explained it to us, and he's like, well, no, if you you can choose now what you want to watch. You don't have to watch that. You can go and watch this and you're going to, and it's the same with Cartoon Network. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of a gentle push into like, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm starting blips and chits right now, right? Which is just, it's just adult swim. The older yeah. version of Cartoon Network. It's like an initiation is you, you take, you're guiding these kids through, through that journey. You know, like the Dr. Manhattan doll, like you said in the background, little breadcrumbs. Yeah. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. I understand it. And 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 nothing nothing uh stays stuck in amber, you know, be it pop culture or or TV networks. You know, there there's been such an evolution uh over the years of what channels will be. And and what's even funnier is that sometimes when people would talk about the difference between Nicktoons and Cartoon Network and Disney, it's like, well, especially here in the US, most of animation is done here in Burbank. You know, there, there's some other studios like, you know, we acquire content from studios in New York or or in the UK or Canada. But the majority of the animation is done in Burbank. So everybody kind of knows each other. A lot of people went to school together. And like Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network, our artists would go back and forth. We'd finish up on a Cartoon Network show, go over to Nickelodeon. And then all of a sudden, everybody there would go over to Disney. And, you know, it's it's mm. it's, it's not really that different in a way. But, you know, I, I think the more content, the better. You know, if there's more creators getting shows and yes. more jobs for us and more outlets, and different voices, you know, when we're not everything is the same as just Nickelodeon. You get all the great stuff that Netflix has been doing lately. So there's mm. new creative things that are coming out. So it's pretty wild. Is there, is there something with with you guys as a, as a community where you'd be like, oh, this this job's going. Oh, I know it'd be good for that, Chris. And you, you ring up your mate and be like, oh, Chris, there's this job going. Ab- at, 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 yeah, is that what it's like? Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. We're always messaging each other saying, you know, what are you oh, up to? Nice. Or, or really uh, anybody... All you have to do is just, you know, put out a notice. Uh, it, in pre-pandemic times, it was very easy. You would just call up your buddies at Disney or at Warner Brothers, and you would just uh, say, "Hey, well, why don't I come over? Let's grab lunch." And then you kind of maybe uh, say goodbye to your friend, and then walk around the halls, and you'd run into old friends, and you know, a lot of times you'd find out about jobs that way. But uh, yeah, but now with social media, it's even easier. You you just put stuff up under the uh, portfolio day hashtag or something, or, or just message all your friends everywhere. So it's, it's tight knit, which is pretty cool. And uh, looking at the year IMDb, you can really tell that that is the case because you got shows that were on the kids WB, like Shallon showdown. You have uh, shows that were on cartoon network. You have shows that were on Nickelodeon, like all oh, monsters, which by the way is like, that is my era of everything <laughs> that is um, Nickelodeon. I, we, we spoke to uh, Mark Summers. We've spoken to a lot of people that we can, you know, become very friendly with because just how much love and how many memories I have of what I would consider to be the golden years of Nickelodeon. Now, how does that come to be? Like, I mean, obviously you, you, you meet somebody, you're like, Oh, I got the, uh, there's this job offer right here. Or is it like, do you just hear it through the grapevine? Like what's the, how do you go to be able to jump from so many different things and, 
is there like um is there like some people that stay in that one camp or like oh you went to cartoon network this week why would you do such a thing it, uh, well um uh, you know luck- luckily like i said it's a small thing and of course it has evolved because when you're talking about when i was uh working on, on real monsters, that was like in the mid nineties, you know, there was yes. barely any, any internet going on, you know, but it, it was still pretty easy to at least, you know, go have lunch with people somewhere. You, you would literally just give them a phone call. This is the only way to contact them. But, um, you know, so, some people, um, you know, really enjoy being at a particular studio, but, um, uh, but like I said, uh, because of sometimes regime changes or just, just because of um, uh, diff- different uh, talents and a lot of people, some people come from the same school. A lot of us are at least of the same generation. We have the same tastes or whatever. Um, you know, you, you will sometimes go where the projects are of interest to you. Like, like for instance, uh, in 95, when I was working on Real Monsters, I was at Klasky Chupo. Uh, yeah. they, they, fam- you know, they famously had started out doing the original animation for The Simpsons. And then they created Rugrats and got into their own content. That was one of my earlier jobs. And they had really a really cool style. I wasn't really into the whole uh, Disney thing at the time. But, you know, they, they were all, uh, you know, was, uh, uh, Hungarian artist was the uh, was the co-founder along with his wife, who's American. And uh, they had a lot of Eastern Bloc talent, people from Hungary and a lot of artists from Russia. And so it had a really interesting graphic look to it. So I was like, I'm really gravitating more towards that because I've always enjoy things uh, that have a real visual style, more graphic look to them. And, um, and you know, I did Real Monsters. That was really cool. I learned to draw like a Russian. And when that ended, they said, well, we're thinking of, of um, bringing back Rugrats because it had already uh, ran its course, uh, you know, in the early 90s. But then they just said, we're going to do more. And I was like, I'm not really interested in that. And at the time, the uh, the new Cartoon Networks, the What a Cartoon shorts yes. uh, were being produced at Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, and already... Um, uh, they had started on the first uh, round of episodes of Dexter's Laboratory, I think maybe the first six or so. And one of my co-workers there, I was doing characters with on Monsters, he was from CalArts, uh, from Gendy and Craig's class. And uh, he was just going over there to do storyboards. And then another one of our artists went over there and, you know, we all just started calling them up because we're like, I think we like that show better. That's speaking to me more now, you know, and then, and then you know, we were able to get in on that. So. I, I just try to follow whatever's interesting me rather than just a studio. But, you know, sometimes certain jobs run a long time. I know people who have been at Disney TV for like 15, 20 years, you know, because they just keep going and they have a good time with it. It's it, they seem to be, there seem to be a lot of uh, creative freedom when they did the what's a cartoon. I mean, there was people like uh, Seth MacFarlane did a cartoon for there. They seem to be where a lot of people kind of got their foothold into the industry. Was that the case, or is that just like an outsider's perception of that? Mm. Well, well, uh, most most people had already uh, been there. I mean, they they made like about sixty five shorts. Of, uh, Fred Seibert had spearheaded that when he came in to be the new. Uh, head of Hanna Barbera, and yeah, you had a lot of people like uh, like Gendy Tartakovsky, Craig McCracken, Rob Renzetti. Uh, they had all been working on Two Stupid Dogs uh, at Hanna Barbera already. So there was a lot of people who were like animation veterans, but there were some people who were maybe right out of out of school who had maybe uh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of who might not have been there, but it's funny because I wasn't. I wasn't literally at the studio when they were making those at the time, mm-hmm. but you know there, there were people from New York, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. That was that was all made for New York, and um, uh, I know um, 
I know there's a lot of Canadian content as well, but yeah, it was it was mainly a lot of people who were already in the biz who had not had the chance to be unleashed that way, or at least were semi new to the biz as well. So, you know, I, I think that was a big thing because people had been held back for so long working on things that were just in the eighties. It was just made to sell toys. Yeah, where it's like, yeah. well, here's the baby version of this show or that. You know, some people, <laughs> you know, just just I mean, Muppet Babies was like the original. And everybody said, let's just do that too or whatever. But so people, <laughs> Looney were, Tunes kids or. Yeah, I, Jerry kids. Paul Dini was on was on Tiny Tunes though, so well, at least Tiny that had like lineage to good. it. Yeah, yeah it was no, pretty, that, that was pretty good. Yeah, that, I mean that's yeah, that's where the, the it's just an example, Tom. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I have to defend it. I have to defend it. I'm like, you no, get you, off you know, Tiny Tunes ass. Sometimes there's the originals <laughs> where people do you know a new idea, and then there's all the people who try to copy it. Right? I mean, they, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I remember, but Muppet Babies had like that amazing. They had like yeah. a Star Wars entrance to them. You know, when they were doing the Muppet mm-hmm. Babies, that's yeah. you know. But then they also did like Alvin the Chipmunks in that era. Like the yeah. uh, actually that was a little bit before that. I was like in the late '80s going into the yeah. 90s when they did the Alvin the Chipmunk show with uh, the rock star version or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do no you go first, Alex? You first. Uh, no, I was going to say we're talking about these these classic ideas and and these these IPs that have existed for a long time. What is it like taking on a classic property that's been around for X amount of years mm. and being like, "This is your responsibility responsibility now, Chris. Don't mess it up." Like, yeah. what is that like? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh, luckily by the time I've gotten the chance to do stuff like that, I, I've been pretty well established in the business. And a lot of times, what studios are doing. They just put out a call to everybody. They just say, we're thinking of doing a new this or that. Uh, and we're just having lots of people just take a stab at it. You know, and, and you know, just it's just a freelance job. Sometimes you're in-house already working on a series or, or they just call you and you work on it at home. And they're just saying, yeah, we're just asking everybody to just do a little stab. Why don't you just do this? You know, it's a little couple extra bucks or whatever. You know, you have a little fun. You go, great. That just that just paid for my uh, little vacation trip or, or, or the upgrade to my, uh, you know, my computer equipment or something like that, right? Uh, and most times that's about all that happens, you know. Uh, but sometimes they will zero in on one person and, and they'll say you we want you to help redesign it so you know a lot of times that that that's just a thing where you just maybe do a week or two's worth of work and that that's it whatever but yeah sometimes they will actually do something yours and and sometimes in the case of like teen titans go it's like oh well everybody's already done a new batman there's been the new there's been the teen titans there's been other things it's mm. it's not liver dying by by our hand you know, any, anybody like my friends made the new uh, Animaniacs and they were just like, yes. we got to get this right. It's pretty beloved. Yes. So they were doing it with a lot of care. And I mean, it turned out beautiful and, and the fans yes. love it too. Same, same with my friends who did uh, DuckTales, the new DuckTales. I mean, that's another, you know, holy Duck property Tales. there and Woo! they did a great job. You know, I, I, I think, I think the, the thing is like, um, you both have to have uh, a real appreciation for the classic thing, but also not be so reverent that you're just going to make a carbon copy of the previous one, uh, you know, and, and not do anything new, but, but don't go too crazy, you know, cause then the fans will be put off by it. Maybe so you know? find balance there in between what's wrong. right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. See, and that, that's another prime example of like something that speaks to my kids and their generation. I mean, that's 11, eight and a six year old and they love the new ducktails, but I've tried showing them like, uh, the, like the old ducktails when they went, uh, where they got the genie in the lamp like that. Cause I love that as a kid, Like my mom used to record like everything on VHS. That's like how she uh, rolled. She recorded the Simpsons from like 1989 on the Tracy Ullman show until today. She's oh, still wow. DVR. Oh yeah. She was, and she was so good. Yeah. She'd make like a, um, non, uh, there, there'd be no commercials 
and then she'd pause it and do it the whole thing. So it was like a DVD copy, essentially, way before DVDs were a thing. And that was our thing. So ever so often, she'd get like, you know, DuckTales, the movie would be on, uh, you know, ABC Family or whatever it might be. She would record that too and be like, oh, the kids will like this. And we had that. So I showed them that because I loved it. And they're like, meh. But they love, but show them the new DuckTales. And like, this is the greatest thing ever. What is this DuckTales? I'm like, I'm like, man, I tried showing this to you years ago. And you're really kicking down the balls right now. Uh, You know, whenever I I had tried to show my daughter the old Star Wars movies, you know, she'd be like, "Uh, those are the old ones. And she was really down for any of the new ones. But she was really, really. You know, nothing, child. Yeah. (laughs) She she was really down for all the Marvel movies, 100%. Excellent. So by the time that that you know end, end game had come around, she was fully indoctrinated, and we're like, oh, yeah, nice. she's, we're totally watching all the Disney Plus shows. So she is totally down. So I'm like, mission accomplished. <laughs> to the point where she's looking at you and she's like, Dad, you say that again, I'm gonna snap you out of existence. You're like, all right, yeah. calm down, calm yeah. down, take it easy. Yeah. Take it easy well, well you know, like you know, that was our generation's thing. But then you know, uh, yeah, and she likes some Harry Potter too. But she kind of missed Harry Potter. She still likes to see those too. But yeah, she was fully there for the whole Marvel craze. So it's like, that's, that's their generation of Star Wars. Speaking of generational uh, things, like we're living in a TikTok era now, you know, the short snappy. How has that affected the industry? Um, Not, not so much. I think the big uh, effect to the industry has been streaming. That's the biggest thing. I mean, you know, when you have new platforms, especially every, there was a huge shift because Netflix, of course, they were, they were the first ones uh, out of the gate with streaming and they, they made a big push several years ago, which uh, in the last year or so has begun to bear fruit with all their original series and films. And uh, at the time, then uh, Disney got next on board. I remember when I was last at Disney in 2019, they were really gearing up for all the Disney Plus uh, debut that fall and finally getting some new content going for that. But then everybody else was kind of playing catch up, trying to figure out their stuff, but now everything's kind of set. Uh, and uh, they, there's a lot more stuff just being made. You know, they, they need to get it going. And I mean, I when I got into the business, that was right about the beginning of the whole cable animation industry. Like just before I got in, that was when Nicktoons debuted. So that was a big shift and this is another shift, but basically there's just more work happening, which which is cool. And there's more variety. You know, it's not just, you know, like like in the 80s, it was just that one thing you're just selling toys, uh, toy cartoons and stuff like that. Yeah. And, but now there's so much going on and a lot of varied content, which is it's another exciting moment. I think it's going to be much like, uh, you know, what a cartoon and what that did for creator properties in the 90s. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on like that now. So, do you, well, no, now that you've experienced both of the of the scenarios, like the scenario where you can have it all at once or the scenario where you, you waited week to week to kind of catch up with your favorite show, um, do you have a preference to either one or do you mm. see like uh, <laughs> do you see them both as being equally good? Mm. Well, I mean, we've all been stuff and that's exciting, but uh, it is not bad like going with the HBO or Disney Plus route where you watch an episode. And then you're like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see what's next. And you get a, you get a stew over it. You get to discuss it. Maybe you listen to the podcast afterward and, you know, you, you're excited. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, things don't get completely spoiled for your friends. They could at least watch it, you know, a couple of days later. And then you could go out to lunch and talk about it all. You know, part, part of uh, me hates that. Part of me loves it. I mm-hmm. mean, like we, we, we were just talking about uh, the new, newest episode of of Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Just, but we wouldn't mm-hmm. be having that discussion if that if we weren't having to wait a week for every episode. We'd yeah. be like, oh my God, wasn't that season amazing? There was a, yeah. you know, I like that. Kind of I, I, I was just uh, I was just chatting with a friend of mine. He finally just uh, was able to sit down and watch The Mandalorian, and he's like, oh, "Shit, wow. I'm, only on, I'm only on chapter eleven, no spoilers." And I'm like, I'm like 
there's gonna be some things you're gonna like coming. I'm trying to remember, you know, not not to spoil things for him, but I'm like, you know, and he's saying, I can't wait <laughs> to see if they're gonna have a this or a that. And I'm like, yeah, there's gonna be some robots or aliens you might be happy to see again. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm trying not, you know, that that's holy stuff, not not to spoil things. You know? There might so, be a robot that sounds like Korg from uh, <laughs> like. Um, <laughs> I got a colleague in work at the moment. He keeps coming up to me and he's like, "Yeah, I'm watching Cobra Kai," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, which episode?" He's like. Season one, episode four, and then I went to him last week. And I was like, "What, what episode are you on?" So I was, I'm on that episode six. I was like, "How are you not watching one after the other, Cobra Kai? It's just insane." Like, um, when it comes to to like creating a brand new IP, things like that, that they've come to you, and you know, you're, you've developed yourself from the beginning, and you need to find a voice talent for one of your creations. Um, how important, like. Have you ever like brought in? Vo- has the, the you know the production company ever brought in a voice talent? And you've gone, nah, that doesn't work. It doesn't sound like them. How does that work for you? Uh, well, I gotta say, I'm I'm not involved in that level yeah, yeah. of things. And so if I was a show creator, then I then I would yeah, maybe yeah. have uh, that that opportunity. But no, usually uh, that's that's already done with by the time uh, I'm involved. Or you know, okay. sometimes sometimes maybe that's going on, and you know, the showrunners will say, oh, look at this person or that person or something like that. But a lot of times. It's usually figured out, or sometimes you maybe even get to hear a voice while you're designing the characters, and that that helps inform that. Because you know, if you if you get somebody and you're designing, they're like, well, I'm thinking this is like a big, heavy guy with a broad chest, and they say, oh no, we got we got this uh, older actor who's kind of small and uh, has a gentle voice. You're like, oh no, that that would be totally wrong for that. I got to readjust my design or something like that. So you know, usually uh, the the voice actor helps inform the design, at least where I'm involved. So we've spoken a lot about um, who Chris Battle is right now, the things you've been uh, involved in, which but there's a lot more that we have not talked about, which we'll get to eventually. How does it all start for you, sir? Where does uh, where does one start? You know, is it from a young age? Did you did you grow up one day just know that you want to be involved in this uh, business? How does it go? Yeah, um, well, I, I was lucky enough to grow up here in Santa Monica, California. That, that's that's near Los Angeles, so just a little closer to the beach. But uh, out here in Los Angeles. You know, uh, the entertainment industry, movies and television and music, that is 100 percent, you know, uh, our major economic uh, factor out here. So it's never really seen as like some kind of fantasy job. If you grow up in middle America, you know, people say, oh, I want to be an actor. They're like, well, it's a nice dream, but you should, you know, concentrate on a real job like, a, you know, be a lawyer or get a job at the bank or something but out here. You say you want to. Uh, work in movies it's like oh how would you like to work um do you want to be like the costume designer or do you want to be a writer or you know and there's people who uh you know build the sets and stuff like that it's not all just about being the actor it's it's a real job so um as a kid i always loved drawing Uh, my father he was a photographer and he taught uh, vocational photography at a local community college so that was all about not just being an arty photographer but being able to get jobs And, and you know so he knew that that's that's something you get real jobs uh, my mother, she discovered her art talent late in life. Uh, her brother, he had been, uh, my uncle had been, uh, he, he was a really talented artist as a child. And then because they lived in Chicago, uh, he went into advertising for several years. And she was always like, I wish I, somebody had encouraged me to be an artist too. So when they saw I like that, they, they just asked teachers and whatnot, what do we do for a kid who likes to draw? And they just said, 
and just give them more pencils and crayons and lots of paper. So, so they really encourage that. Uh, and um, whenever there was maybe um, a book signing or an art show that was, uh, you know, where they were exhibiting all the all the props from a movie or art, or they had like old Disney artists were doing book signing, you know, we we'd go out there and I get to meet them. Maybe I get a book. They would, you know, buy me lots of art of books or cartoon books, comic books, whatever, just just to feed that. So I was lucky to grow up with that uh, support. Uh, even I had. A, a family friend who was an ex Disney animator who was kind of an informal mentor to me. Wow, uh, nice, nice. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I had a high school that had a real big art curriculum, but then cartoons were kind of not looked at as real art at the time. Fortunately, my teacher, he actually saw the value in my cartoon art and always encouraged it, but it's kind of like, I don't really know where to go with this. I, I was a little aimless for a bit. And, um, uh, I, I realized, okay, I graduated high school. I'm like, well, I need a job just to earn money. And I was looking around for something that would be interesting. And it turns out that um, Hanna-Barbera was opening up a retail store because they saw how the Disney retail stores had done so well. So they were opening up their own and it was run by the animation studio. So I applied for that. And, you know, they thought this guy's a real good candidate. He knows cartoons. So got the job there and they would like take us up to Hanna-Barbera Studios to teach everybody about how animation works. And I was like, I know, I know how it works already, I'm all good, you know. But um, they, they had all the employees would come down to the store and uh, they would get like an employee discount. And our manager said, as soon as anybody shows you that card and tells you their employee, you give them the, the royal treatment because that's the reason we have a job here. So I got to know a lot of the artists there. And uh, there was a head artist, Scott Gerald. He was the, the, the main character designer there at the studio. I'm helping him out. My manager uh, says, oh, you know, this guy draws cartoons too. And I'm just like, shut up. I'm not, I don't have anything. <laughs> and, and he says, he's, yeah, he, he's, uh, he's got some doodles here. And, and Scott says, oh, yeah, why don't you show me some of your stuff? He just figures I'm like this nice sales guy who's helped out his family. And so I sheepishly pull out my doodles and he's like, these are pretty good. If you, if you ever want to come by the studio and bring some more like finished pieces, you know, your real portfolio, just come on by. And so I wound up doing that and he's all, you know, these are actually pretty good. Those doodles were nice, but these are, are pretty good. Why don't you keep in touch? Uh, maybe something might happen. And, uh, you, you know, uh, after a corporate buyout, when Turner Broadcasting bought Hanna-Barbera, they got rid of the retail stores. They didn't have too many of those. But I kept in touch with Scott, just sending him actual, like, snail mail to uh, to Hanna-Barbera Studios. It was a little <laughs> bit difficult, but, I mean, it was it was nearby in town, not, not too hard. And um, there was one point uh, in the early 90s where he and a bunch of other artists had left Hanna-Barbera because uh, Fred Seibert took over. They were changing things. They were building what would become the whole What a Cartoon system. And so a lot of them had left and uh, they were at MGM Animation doing a new Pink Panther cartoon. And he said, hey, would you like to come on board? You know, and I was like, you bet. You know, and uh, I, that, that was a really lucky time because uh, that was right when animation was really making a comeback. Because, you know, there have been the, the Simpsons have been on that. This is post Two Frame Roger Rabbit, I think. Yeah, and that was just after, like, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, you know, so Nicktoons had started. MTV was really happening with, with Beavis and Butthead. And, you know, it was, things were really rolling. And there was a time where there was not enough talent to meet all the needs. So they were really just trying out anybody who could hold a pencil. Uh, and uh, it was still, like, kind of a training thing. So I got in there not having gone to art school, having zero experience. I was so green. I didn't know what I was doing, but they, they gave me the time to kind of learn how to do it. So I really, it was really about timing and having, and having that opportunity. I really got lucky that way. 
that sounds like such a nice nurturing environment to be in. And like, mm-hmm. so if, if you mess up, it's like, it's okay, kid, try again. You know, oh, there's yeah. kind of mentorship. That sounds yeah. kind of rare these days to think about, you know? I was convinced I was going to be fired. And I mean, in the old, <laughs> old days, you know, they would bring in somebody like, okay, you're, you know, what's your name? Chuck Jones, you're going to be washing cells here. You're going to wash the paint off as we recycle cells. And then maybe after a year, we'll let you hold a pencil or something like, you know, it used to be that kind of apprentice kind of a thing. Uh, so I was really lucky. I was sure I was going to get fired because I didn't know how to do anything. And then he just said, no, no, you're not ready for characters, but here, why don't you do props? You can do cars and the box of dynamite and the anvil and stuff like that. And then I slowly began to learn and, you know, it's, it's just been like nonstop learning like that every, every new job. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was lucky I had the time. Wow. You must've been able to see some amazing things like, cause they had like the old yeah. Funimation things along those time. I mean, like you must've been able to see some amazing animation cells that generally just are not seen by the, the general public. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and sometimes there was stuff like uh, when I was at Klasky Chupo, uh, one of the things they had in their hallways, they had all the uh, painted uh, animation paintings uh, for the Beastie Boys Shadrach video. <laughs> you know, where they literally painted over live action footage and then performing. Those are just, you could walk one length of the hall to the other and just kind of see it, you know, this painted stuff over, over their concert footage. And there was like amazing pieces for like wow. presentations that were never made, like like a giant cell for a presentation they did for uh, a Peter and the Wolf uh, thing that oh. never got realized, but actually made by Russian animators. I'm like, oh, this would be so cool. But yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's there's lots of uh, classic animation cells. And, you know, they used to still give some of those away, like as Christmas gifts for things. You know, I, I you know, speaking of nerdy DC things, uh, they, they had a time where they, uh, for Christmas, they would have these big boxes of uh, gift wrapped cells and uh, you would just reach into it, grab this one, that one. I don't know. Open up. What'd you get? Uh, I, I got one from the Batman New Adventures. Uh, oh, you know, when excellent. they redesigned them. Yeah, I got, got yes. one of Robin from the Over the Edge episode. The one where uh, Bat, they, they have the drug-induced uh, dream. Uh, from, thanks to this character's fear toxin that uh, Commissioner Gordon is hunting them as criminals. And, yeah. And so that's like a great uh, one to have. That's, <laughs> that's, see, that's, that's something I really kind of miss of the old animation style is like if you love something so much, like if you really loved um, uh, Huckleberry Hound, you know, episode in particular, you could get a piece of that. Nowadays, it's all digital. So you can get that. You can't uh, own any of that. I mean, is, is that a shame? Especially you with the NFT stuff yeah. now. You can NFT stuff now you can buy a still from yeah. the Powerpuff Girls and stuff, and you yeah. own that. That's yeah, but, it. but I mean, you know, you, you can still buy artwork from like original artwork of uh, from the original mm-hmm. artists. <clears throat> and and on some shows, I mean, everything's really more digital, but there's still some shows where uh, you can find at least pencil art if they did it all digital. I mean, mm-hmm. like Samurai Jack was all done digitally in the color, but there there is pencil, you know, artwork for, for that. Matter. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one of mine. But even, even the, the- Oh, get out of here, all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that the but but even the animation was at least still done with pencil, and you could buy those. Or um, uh, actually, uh, uh, one of the uh, production designers for Big City Greens was sharing on Twitter. He was sharing a bunch of uh, actual paper animation cleanup art that he got because Big City Greens they still animate that with uh, w- with pencil i mean then it gets colored digitally but there's still actual physical artwork mm. for that so but yeah. the, the, the best thing about these sort of things i mean we, we've spoken to artists from around the world like mike perkins came on our show who who is the 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 the, the inker for swamp thing amazing guy yeah. great artist he's like yeah i can sit on my, 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 my computer and i can just smash off this work and send it over to warner brothers or to dc or whatever and it'd be done 
done. There you go. And he's here in Shrewsbury in the UK, and that's the beauty of digital art. Is yeah. it the same for you? Can you just crack on with work and send it off to wherever it needs to go? Yeah, that that has been how it's evolved. You know, I mean, uh, definitely when I got started, it was lucky to be just here in LA because everybody had to move here to LA. Um, but uh, I, I, there was probably like, I guess in the late 90s, some of us were able to start like, uh, you, you would FedEx stuff or fax stuff. And then once the internet started, well, forget about it. Yeah, I, I've done stuff for all over the world, uh, you know, uh, these days. It's it's really kind of standard. And thanks to the pandemic, you know, there's a lot less restrictions on people working because there, there's been no in-person, uh, in-studio work uh, here in Los Angeles animation. I, in fact, on my current show, Middlemost Post at Nickelodeon, I've been working on that for nearly two years. Uh, most of our crew, we have not met each other. In real life, we haven't. We've seen pictures of our work area that's all decorated for the show, but none of us have ever been in there. We've all just been working remotely, and there's um, there's a lot of shows where they have people from all over the world work, working on them, you know, because the, there's no such restrictions at the moment. I mean, who knows if that might change? Hopefully not. I like everybody to get a chance to be able to do this if they have the talent. But hmm. yeah, it's it's pretty cool now. You you can just work from home. I mean, I miss working in the studio, but yeah, I was going to say it's, yeah. You know, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's but thank thank God for uh, social media, instant messaging, and video chats. You know, as as a crew, our our crew, we we all love each other. It's great. We're like, man, we really need to get together once these spikes and Omicron stop, so we could just at least get together Tell in a park it. or something. Yeah, mm, yeah, it's a nightmare. Go on, Tom. It is. Um, but fortunately, like uh, me and Alex met over the internet so like we we yeah, started we doing did. this a couple years right. prior yeah, we did mm-hmm. like we meet all of our men um so like a couple <laughs> years prior to covid actually becoming a thing so like at first it was kind of strange to ask people to come on to these interviews over the internet yeah. like the, like video calling like like it's not an in-person thing you don't have a studio like well i mean alex has a studio but we don't generally do this this is how we do the show over the way and some people were reluctant but they kind of got it afterwards and especially for us british yeah, <laughs> well, you yeah, want me yeah. to call you on the phone and I want to see your face as well? No, thank you. Rather not, yeah. thanks. <laughs> um, but slowly but steadily, of course, COVID happened and then everybody was doing this. So me and Alex were yeah. like, you know, 10 years ahead of everybody nice. else with this whole setup and just getting the whole thing going. So we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah we got this. Here's the link. Let's just get this going. And it was it was really convenient, actually. Yeah. So mm. thank goodness for COVID. I don't know. That's that's a yeah. horrible thing. Like, <laughs> what, what I did want to ask you was, though, about that is do you feel like uh, this, gen- this a new generation of animators artists that you know maybe in the 90s 80s 90s were chucking a a bullpen with other animators where they could sit and chat and you know sort of circle do you think they're being stopped robbed of of that kind of camaraderie that you may have had in in an animator's studio well well, obviously a little bit um i mean i i can't speak to everybody's experience in their studios but i know for us we we always have like microsoft teams open and we'll have a general chat but then because we're such a fun crew we we have a well now we have a video game chat channel we even have Mm -hmm. obviously everybody's animals as soon as your pets because all of our pets are loving us being home as soon as everybody's uh, pets are hopping up into their lap or walking by the camera they're like okay everybody let's have a pet channel so we could share videos things for this is mr sassy yeah well you know it's, it's funny is that so many people know one of our directors cats you know that that like when we needed a joke for the show where somebody was posting a, a poster looking for their lost cat, they actually inserted an actual photograph in the two dimensional cartoon Excellent. looking for the cat. You know, <laughs> we're like, yes, he made it into the show. You know, it's, <laughs> it's it's silly. So we we really try to do that, and and uh, our crew they actually we actually have things where 
the showrunners will set up like special activities We're like, okay, what does everybody want to do? You want to do a cheese tasting thing? You want to do a, a drink mixing thing? We'll do a, a virtual escape room. We're all going to do that as a team. And then we all get on a Zoom call and, you know, they actually will send a package of either cheese or drinks or, 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 or cookies or whatever. And we'll all, we'll all get together like that. We, that. we got together. Yeah. Yeah. It works here. We, yeah, we had the, we had one crew member who had never seen Nightmare Before Christmas, and this is around Christmas time. We said, "All right, we're all going to get on Zoom and do a, a group and berate them." Of, <laughs> yeah, 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 well, we have the chat. We have the chat open, so we could all like you know uh, goof on them or even share weird little cartoon tidbits that we all knew. And we're like, "Yeah, this this works out pretty good." But I, well, definitely, we I, I think we all got over that after the first year. We're like, "Oh, this would be so much better." If we could be just right across the cubicle from each other and see what the other person's doing and just hang out, nice. but, you know, of course, you know, uh, most artists, especially younger artists now, they don't need so much of that thing of the, of the person next door to learn. They've already got all of the internet they've been learning from because all of us artists are sharing our artwork and, you know, you, you can find any animation from around the world anywhere, even some like hidden stuff that isn't on Netflix, you could find it on the internet. So. You know, it's amazing the the source material that today's artists have. I, I'm I'm envious, but I try to make take advantage of that as much as I can too. It's it's, it's a good time. I'd leave a, a Facebook chat. They got rooms now, aren't they, on Facebook? I love. I'll leave mm. one of them open tonight for the NFL. But if I wasn't at work and supposed to be working, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just sat there chatting to NFL people. On social media. Well, I feel Tom, and we need to talk about a certain person in particular, and that's this guy. And um, th- this guy and a certain black t-shirt wearing blonde mop head guy changed um uh Nickelo- Nicktoons and and Cartoon Network as Cartoon well. Network. That's that Cartoon Network, yep. Yeah. Um uh, Dexter and Johnny Bravo, when all that kind of got that, that released, it just exploded. I remember I was, I was it was everywhere, and that was that must have been massive for you. Huge. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty wild because you know obviously like I mentioned, growing up in the seventies and the eighties, there was all these like really. I mean, uh, as a little kid, I was watching like classic stuff, yeah, like Disney or, or Looney Tunes, especially or the old like fifties Hanna Barbera, you know, like like Yogi Bear and Flintstones and stuff like that. And then like anime came in and that was cool. And then there was all this stuff like the, the toy stuff, GI Joe and, and Ninja Turtles and things like that. Ninja Turtles is probably as I was getting a little bit older. But uh, as an animation fan who at least <laughs> stayed involved when Nicktoons came around, and I saw Ren and Stimpy. It was like, whoa, what is this? You know, it was it was a very exciting time to be getting into stuff, but especially the Cartoon Network shorts. I remember we all just locked on to like Dexter's Laboratory and the original Powerpuff Girls. Um, you know, I, I, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I guess that was called Whoop-Ass Stew, but they were named the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, yeah. It was in college, the Craig short was called the Whoop-Ass Girls. But yeah, there were several of those shorts that really stood out. And once we knew that they were making more shorts, we're like, this is cool, this is great. You know, and uh, when we knew it was going to series, that that was even better, you know, and and of course, even better than that was getting the chance to work on it because uh, both as an animation fan and also as a new artist who was still learning, that really gave me a chance to work on something that spoke to me, that was exciting. And because I had never gone to art school, all of a sudden I was working with uh, all these Cal Arts grads who were like the top of the top. And also there's a lot of the crew from the original Ren and Stimpy cartoons is on this as well. So all of a sudden I was soaking up all this knowledge from like just the best in the business. And uh, it was like such a great learning experience for me. And then working on something that also like all animation fans and even just kids and regular people liked as well. It was, 
it kind of ticked all the boxes, you know? Mm, man, how yeah. exciting that must've been. I mean, and now did working on Dexter's laboratory end up like kind of leading into the Samurai Jack of it all? Because I mean, of course they're part of the same network. Um, and you know, how did that go about? Well, well, first it was Powerpuff Girls because I think at the time they did, you know, they did all the shorts and some of them were getting the highest numbers and they did focus groups. And uh, I think the focus groups is a bunch of children where they get together, like like at least a dozen, you know, seven to 11 year olds or whatever. And uh, I, I think you've probably seen that parodied in the Simpsons. Yes. Uh, with, uh, Poochie, <laughs> Poochie episode. Yes. It is, yeah, it, it is pretty much like that from from what I've heard. And, and I guess um, there, there was like... Um, when there was a bunch of boys got together and like the, the younger boys would watch the Powerpuff Girls and were like, yeah, we kind of like that. They were like punching them. And there was this one older kid who was more the alpha jock kid. He's all, it's stupid. It's about a bunch of girls and these little boys who have been digging it were like, uh, yeah, and that was stupid because it was girls. And then, you know, so they, uh, they, they just said that, okay, well, people like Dexter's more, we'll do Dexter's. And because everybody was still pretty young in their twenties, they gave them the chance to make their own show. And when Gendy was able to deliver, they said, okay, you guys are definitely got the stuff. Um, what we want to do is that we'll go do um, Powerpuff Girls next because Craig served as the art director for Dexter's. And so then when we uh, pretty much um, right about when Hanna-Barbera was closing up because uh, uh, Turner had been acquired by uh, AOL Time Warner. So we were absorbed into Warner Brothers Animation. So one of the last things we did before we left Hanna-Barbera and went over to Warner Brothers, uh, Craig did the pitch for the first Powerpuff Girls series episode. And so Gendy would serve as as like a, a producer, executive producer on that. And, you know, Craig is the showrunner. So we just moved over to this new building, same same crew, maybe with a couple extra heavy hitters as well. And then we did Powerpuff Girls uh, for several years. And then when they realized that, well, you know, Warner Brothers animation, that's more like we're, we're doing, you know, like the, like the Looney Tunes and we're doing all the Batman, the Bruce Timbers. Um, they said, you guys are kind of different. So they built Cartoon Network Studios across town for us. And uh, the Hanna-Barbera properties like Scooby-Doo, Flintstones, all that, that, that stayed with Warner Brothers. But then we went over, we were all like, we're doing all the new stuff right now. And so we were still finishing up Powerpuff Girls, but at the time Gendy took one of our main designers away and they said, we're gonna work on a little secret something for a while. And we weren't really sure what it was. Gendy was kind of secretive about it, but then, uh, eventually, as we were finishing up Powerpuff Girls and we were kind of, I, I think they were doing pre-production on the Powerpuff Girls movie, that's when Gendy showed everybody this test movie, this this little short, like, you know, two or three minute test movie of Jack fighting against all the uh, the Beetle robots and every, our jaws just dropped. We we're like, whoa, you know, it was a constant leveling up, you know, Dexter's lab was great. And then Powerpuff Girls, we took it up another notch. And then with that, it was like, yeah, we really cooking on that. So yeah, uh, a lot of us just went right over to uh, Samurai Jack and some people doing Powerpuff. And then we, we would leapfrog back and forth like, okay, we're done with that first season. Now you work on the Powerpuff movie, done with that, we're going over to Dexter's lab and more Samurai Jack and Powerpuff, you know, so that, that was about like seven years I, I was doing that. Some of the other crew even longer, but yeah, it just kept leveling up, which was pretty cool place to be. It's nice. Uh, we do have a, a, a question from one of our listeners, actually, who wrote in about about Summer of Jack. And I know you said this is a, a project that was being worked on um, before you had your chance to get your hands onto it. Well, from what you may have known, what you may have heard, um, how much of an influence was the original Ronin comic on, on Samurai Jack? And um, where did the choice of deviating from the original set 
storyline. That's from Graham Arnold, by the way. Hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, I, it's, it's hard to remember now, but I, I do remember that that must have been somewhere in the mix because we, we were all of the same age and we were all uh, young teens in, in the 80s. So I'm pretty sure that, uh, that Gandhi had seen that. You know, I, I just know there was such a mishmash of everything. Definitely the, you know, Kurosawa films, David Lean films, and uh, Lone Wolf and Cub even worked its way in there. And there's uh, tons of anime. I mean, it, it's all there in in the cartoon where you see like, oh, this this is our our, our big loop on the third uh, episode, or or this this one is based on that thing. This is this is our jazz blues thing, you know, going on. Or yeah, there's so many different things. I mean, I, I guess that is perfect for uh, a Gen X crowd, especially when it came, when, when you put throw in like hip hop and things like that, where it's all about <laughs> recontextualizing passing. And of course, you know, we were the original Star Wars kids, which is a total recontextualization of Flash Gordon and Kurosawa and, and medieval myths and everything. So yeah, I, I know that Ronin was, uh, you know, it was somewhere in the mix for sure. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Graham, for that. Graham's always yeah. a great contributor of ours. He is. He is. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I haven't heard of him for a while, so that's, that's great. I got. I do got have another um, question um, from from Ryan Berger. He's another one of our listeners. He says, uh, "What was it like working on El Super Bisto?" Mm. Oh yeah, that, that that was an interesting one. That was. Um, uh, I wound up joining up with that because a lot of my friends were on it originally. The uh, uh, the director was Doug Lawrence, a.k.a. Mr. Lawrence, who uh, most people know as the voice of, uh, of um, Plankton on, on SpongeBob. And he's also an animator uh, in, in his own right, animation director. And uh, several of my friends who I worked with on Powerpuff Girls and Samurai Jack were working on that as well. And um, yeah, we have been working on that for, for maybe around a year. And then uh, I think the studio was being sold uh to to another conglomerate and they were really uh you know getting pumped up about all these new movies like good cgi movies and stuff and um they looked at our little thing they're like wait this thing is a r-rated uh thing and uh what's this there's like naked girls and yeah we we, we don't know what this thing is and so they kind of just shut it down and they just put everything in a box uh you know on the shelf and we're like okay well that almost happened and then um then Rob Zombie's, uh, uh, I think it was his Halloween remake came yes. out but because it was this was all came from his characters, and all of a sudden Rob Zombie was hot, and they said, "Wait a minute, don't we have something from Rob Zombie on the shelf?" And, <laughs> Wait a minute, I mean, we just set off all, really quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we had all moved on and everything, and so um, yeah, yeah, I think they just dusted off the shelf. It was only like kind of pre-production. I think there was a, a rough storyboard animatic. We hadn't even completed all the designs. It was just a couple, you know, rough uh, things and concepts and stuff like that. They pretty much got a, a completely different crew to uh, do it all. So, you know, th and then we, we thought it was going to be theatrical and then it, but just, it only came out to DVD, but the, the oh, final yeah. product was definitely pretty different from, from what we worked on. It's like, I, I wish I had saved a copy of that animatic so people could have seen uh, the original storyline or the original look, you know, but, uh, you know, for, for a while it was a fun thing to do to get to draw a bunch of monsters and go-go dancers and stuff like that and then luchadors, uh, you know, is just hanging out with friends, you know, cause, cause that, that's kind of the blue sky phase when it's yes. like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we just got to have a lot of fun doing that. So when, um, I went and saw Rob Zombie, my little sister, um, oh, I love her so much. She's a good kid. Um, she's not, not a kid anymore, obviously, but she was a kid at the time. She, she surprised me one Christmas with tickets to go see Rob Zombie, which is one of those people that like, you know, I, I knew he was coming to town, but like, 
I didn't really think about it. I was like, oh, you know, whatever. That's cool. I'll hear about it. And she surprised me for Christmas. She's like, here, Tommy. And I was like, oh, cool. And I was like, oh, shit, Rob Zombie tickets. And I was going with her. And that was one of the things they showed, like, because they show stuff in the background, um, either in between sets or, like, while he's actually doing the actual show. And one of the things was uh, parts of El Superbisto, which I th- that's how I became hip to the whole uh, the whole concept of it. And I got to, I watched the movie afterwards. It's like, oh, yeah, I saw some of this. I really want to see it. It was really, really cool. Really stunning artwork. I'm just looking at now. I've never heard. Of, forgive my ignorance. I've never heard of El Superbisto. I'm just looking at some of the imagery now. It looks amazing. I really need to watch oh, this yeah. thing. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, so what's what's next for you, sir? Like, what's uh? I mean, obviously, there's some things you just can't talk about, obviously, because you know whatever the MDA, um, MDAs and all non NDAs, excuse me, NDA, NDA, that's, that's ecstasy. Um, all the NDAs and all that jazz. But like, um, what what um, what is going on for Chris Battle nowadays? What are you up to? Well, well, right right now, I'm still working for Nickelodeon on on Middlemost Post, and uh, that that's uh, that's been airing since last fall on uh, on Nickelodeon and uh, Nicktoons UK. I think it debuted in uh, in December. I think. And so, so we're, we're busy doing that, you know, all, all remotely. So that's, uh, there's still more of that to come. And uh, yeah, yeah. There's always some things that I'm like, I have to think I'm like, yeah, that one's still NDA. I can't do anything of that. And, and some things, yeah, you do it and you don't even know if it's anything's going to happen for that. So sometimes it's a surprise if something ever comes to those secret NDA things. And you're like, well, I think it's been five to 10 years now. I guess I can reveal it or something. But yeah, sometimes you just have to stay so quiet about stuff. It's ridiculous. But yeah, right right now it's all all Nick Finn's, all, all Middlemost Post. Excellent. Um, I, I, I can't believe that I, I, I put this away when you when Alex was asking this question. Um, out of all the properties that you've seen um, and all the properties that obviously growing up that you loved, what was one that you really wish you had the opportunity to, you know, just take a whack at or take a crack at that? Uh, you're like, I wish I could have been a part of that. Uh, well, I mean, one I'm still hoping for in, in, in some way uh, as, as a Gen Xer, I would love to do anything Star Wars. And I was so close to that because literally while we were there, working on Powerpuff Girls and things like that. Gendy was doing the original Clone Wars micro series oh, yeah. with just just a, a skeleton crew of the last couple people who were almost finished up on, on the final season of Samurai Jack. And pretty much all of us were like, hey, Gendy, if you need an extra hand, you know, just, you know, yeah, everybody it was just like ridiculous. But, you know, um, I, I'm lucky enough that I've gotten to, to do pretty much almost every property I've ever grown up with, whether it's it's something that only went towards development or something that was active via like Looney Tunes or Scooby-Doo or Flintstones. Uh, even a few years ago, thanks to working on Teen Titans Go, an art director for Marvel saw my work and I did a bunch of consumer products work for them, which they're constantly making t-shirts and even like mm-hmm. Disneyland merch from and stuff like that. So I'm like, yeah, I got to do I'll real I'll Marvel. These, these yeah, yeah. It's it's wild. I, I had to sit on that for a really long time and not mention it, but then finally they start releasing things and even even every other year they start putting out stuff. I had no idea they were making stuff like that. I, you know, I haven't even seen some of the stuff. Uh, some merchandise, I haven't seen some of those characters yet, but uh, some of them keep popping up. But uh, yeah, if I ever get to do something Star Wars, I'm like, that that would be it. You know, maybe, maybe, who knows? Then right? I can die happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you pooch yourself out. I was like, well, because yeah. I must go to my home planet now. I've done Star Wars. And yeah. you just... I, I would just lay down and, and take a very long nap for like dad, 20 years. <laughs> dad, you're not you're not dead. I'm dead. I did Star well, Wars. I'm, I'm <laughs> Don't talk now. to dad. Yeah. Give him your slippers. I'm a, <laughs> a smoking jacket. I'm just yeah. going to sit on the porch and enjoy watching some set. We got to talk about the 
the IPs that you have worked on, because there's really well, that's why that's where I thought you were going with that, Tom. That's why I brought that <laughs> no, up. Yeah. I'm not yeah, as clever like, as you. Give me, give me. There, a are, <laughs> there are a few here that you've you've worked on from the the get go that are just blown up out of huge proportion. Like you, you talk about Dexter's labor- Laboratory, Powerpuff Girls, Teen Titans. What do you think is the biggest project you've worked on that's made you go, "Holy shit, this thing's gone big!" Like. Huh. Well, I mean, it's it's weird. There was like this gradual thing that happened when we were working on Powerpuff Girls because we're like, wow, we really did a cool show. That's rad. And then when that literally became like this phenomenon at the time, you know, it, it just it just worked. I mean, I think there was like we were doing that in the early days of the Internet where there were more like, you know, chat forums and things like that where people were talking about it. And that was right up to like the whole uh, mid to late nineties girl power thing really took hold. And so there was a lot of coverage for that. And you know, you couldn't go anywhere in like the year 2000 without seeing either South Park or Powerpuff Girls stuff in every store, even in all the supermarkets. So that was like an actual phenomenon. Uh, And it was like a quality product. It'd probably be kind of disappointing if you worked on some real crap and everybody loved that. And you're like, this isn't a good thing. I don't like it. No, we were very proud of Powerpuff Girls and very, excited by that you know that that was definitely a big one and then and then samurai jack for people within our industry and like the hardcore animation fans that was really that was a really big one that's another one to be proud of being a part of you know i would have been a huge fan even if i hadn't worked on it but the fact that i got to have a hand in it you know i mean i don't think it ever got big ratings i mean it was just because of gendy's track record and his relationship to the executives are like we're going to keep renewing this because we, we we like our relationship with you and i mean the fans liked it you know, uh, but oh, also, yeah. you know, yeah. And, and when you, your peers also actually really enjoy it, that's, that's pretty cool too. Mm. You know, so mm. yeah, that, that, those are always, uh, the biggest things, you know, Dexter's Powerpuff and Samurai Jack, that's like such a, a cornerstone of my entire career. And, and, you know, it's also like really great people, really great, long lifelong friends. Now we're all so tight after so many years together, our, our kids all play with each other now and stuff like oh, that. Nice. We're, and even if we're not working together, we're still messaging each other. I, that, that's, I was messaging uh, my friend last night, uh, Andy Bialk. We worked, uh, we were the character crew for Dexter's Laboratory and Powerpuff and a lot of those shows. And uh, we, we were just messaging each other because uh, we wanted to talk about Mandalorian and, and Boba Fett, <laughs> you know. So mm. we're still, there's certain certain people who are just your go-to people to message on stuff like that. So we all still keep in touch. It's a great topic. I mean, I can't really believe is. people are hating on that, that show. We think it's perfect. <laughs> oh, but we it wouldn't be about... Star Wars. It wouldn't be new yeah, Star yeah, Wars if right, people right. weren't complaining about it. <laughs> the Mandalorian was so universally loved. There was very little chatter about like, oh, the Mandalorian wasn't great. I mean, I loved Book of February off the gate. I, I love, of course, I love, you know, like uh, the Godfather and things along those lines. So the idea of like a crime story of Boba Fett kind of coming in the town, being the new crime lord and kind of cleaning up and running it the way he does, the involvement of the Tusken Raiders, everything about it. I just, it just really spoke to me. And I even told Alex, I was like, dude, I think I like it more than Mandalorian. And that's not to get, you know, take anything away from Mandalorian. I just have to. I was like, like, why are you that? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm gonna fly a couple thousand miles over the ocean, come and smack you. And I'm like, all right, I only guess. time I'm physically threatened. Um, <laughs> I've got, we got a couple more, got, got a couple more questions off Facebook. Carolina Whiteley says, um, mm. my wife, by the way, I shouldn't, yeah, that's her that's wife, my darling wife. Um, <laughs> who you spoke to, on she Instagram. messaged you, really. She did just, just from across the kitchen, no talking. She right? did. Well, yeah, she, she, <laughs> but she says, uh, <laughs> which is your favorite Teen Titans Go character? Mm. Uh, I, I would have to say Cyborg. I mean, you know, first of all, just as a character, he's he's so much fun. But as an artist, oh my god, I drew so much Cyborg. 
you know, because he's always <laughs> transforming and popping out weapons and turning into weird stuff. So, yeah, definitely had a lot to do with, with a lot of cyborg stuff all the time. So he's, he's My, a lot uh, of fun. My kids sing that song all the time. Waffles, 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 <laughs> waffles, waffles, waffles. I promise you, like, it's every single day thing. And my youngest really loves those characters. I'm going to have to tell him after. He's like, hey, man, I spoke to the guy that actually kind of got this, like, the, the way that this looks is the reason that he's, you know, that's, that's going to be really cool to him for a hot second. N- not much penetrates my kids, which is a good thing, I guess. But, I mean, like, not a lot, like, uh, kind of goes from what I tell him. I, I rarely. Re- very rarely do I brag about what I do. You know, I, I mean, I don't like shove it in their faces. I might tell the wife like, Hey, by the way, I spoke to this person who's, you know, involved with this or that. But ever so often I talk to somebody like yourself where I'm like, Hey, by the way, you know, that thing you love, daddy spoke to somebody that's involved in they're like, yeah, dad's our hero for 30 seconds. And then we lose interest. <laughs> and then there's things that take us by surprise. Like, oh yeah. We're speaking to Carol Baskin at the weekend. They're like, are you? Well, yeah. fuck you then. Yeah. Like that was such a weird, thing that um, i can't get as, that out of my head I, um as a man that's involved in the arts what do you watch for animation right now that kind of like ooh. fuels your juices you're like ooh, that like that's really oh, clever yeah, like I, i'm really into like rick and morty and stuff so is alex like obviously he's in mm. blips and chips around him yeah. but like uh, <laughs> what kind of stuff like that interests you well well i gotta say um netflix has really got a lot of good stuff happening i mean city of ghosts is like amazing i mean it's it's like a, a love letter to los angeles and not the not the los angeles that people think of but they're oh it's beverly hills and movie sets like no there's all these real cool pockets of la that that, that are full of like local people and restaurants and businesses and there's also mm-hmm. just just the look and the tone of it is is so unique um and um gosh arcane is like amazing. I mean, that was such a revelation. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of what I've been waiting for animation to become, you know, probably for the last like mm. 20 years or so. I was just thinking like, we have all these digital tools. Why is it only look one way? I mean, we all love the Incredibles and all that. And I'm like, when are we going to have a different look? And so we're finally starting to see some of that going on. And uh, um, mm. yeah, so yeah. like, uh, well, I mean, Star Wars Visions, was, yes. was super cool. Excellent. I mean, yeah, yeah. Any anime, I mean, come on, anime fan and Star Wars fan, it's like it's it's the ultimate Reese's peanut butter cup combination of two wonderful things. Oh, and, uh, I'm I'm struggling with anime, and this is like this is the thing I have to keep explaining to people. I don't hate anime, right? I really don't. I I I, I like it for what it is, but I personally, I can't get. I'm, no, I don't hate. I don't hate it. I just I can't attach myself to it my daughter is anime crazy she absolutely loves loves them um but i just can't i don't know what it is well you I know there's ca- so many different styles with within what you think of as anime i mean when people think of anime they're all oh yeah with the robots and the girls with the big eyes you're like no uh, watch big watch, eyes watch I, I, I like how you went there <laughs> the big eyes yeah yeah you watch watch Hayao miyazaki's <laughs> movies you know for a quiet <laughs> uh, you know beautiful fantasy family thing or, or watch Satoshi Kon's uh, movies, like watch watch Tokyo Godfathers, you know, something. That's <laughs> there's there's that's that's like if somebody said, I don't like American movies. Like, what do you mean? Well, I don't like Transformers. I'm like, well, you know, there's more. You know, there's indie you know movies. There's dramatic movies. Or you know, right? It's I I, I think if you kind of drill down in there, you're probably going to find something that you would dig. You know, similar to comic I like books. One People Punch think Man. Of, one Punch mm-hmm. Man, yeah, the see, only one I enjoy, and I can sit yeah. and enjoy that. That's the only yeah, one I like. There's, there's so much stuff out there mm-hmm. if you dig. It's like if people said, oh, American comic books. Like, yeah, well, we are still widely stuck in the infancy of that. But then there's all the indie comic mm-hmm. books and creator-owned things. There's there's gems out there everywhere. That That's that's the beauty of uh, all, all the internet and streaming and the nichification of everything. There's all these individual voices that are out there 
You know, we're we're not stuck just watching the one prevalent style. So it's it's a good time, I think. I think the best way to kind of get an anime is in like is the way that I did it. I got an anime before I even knew what anime was. Like I was watching things like the original Dragon Ball, and like I I was like, wow, this is just so cool and the storyline and everything that's going on with it. And then it was only years, years, years later that I was like, oh, this is anime. Okay, this looks. I remember like my parents had like this like this weird Jesus movie that was about like um like Jesus handing out the fish and stuff. It was drawn in in Japanese animation. I had no idea that that was actually like a style of drawing. And like a whole culture of, uh, involved yeah. around it, and yeah. it just happened to be that I just really dug it. I think that's a really good way to go about it is to not be yeah. kind of given the hype behind anime yeah. and just kind of yeah. observe it for what it really is. Just this is just a thing. Why is it so cool? Oh, it's done in this country, and they do other cool things. Like when which, I was a kid, one of the first things I watched was uh, Battle of the Planets, which I later learned was Gatchaman. And I mean, come on, it's got like flying birds, superhero ninjas, and they're like fighting all these guys and in these giant underground, um, you know, underwater bases. And then they get in a cool spaceship and everybody's got their separate vehicles and they combine together to fight a giant like mantis robot with a flaming bird. I was like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. You know, I mean, love that. And then, Mm. you know, like mid 80s came around and, and they had Robotech, which uh, combined those three different series into one longer narrative and like you know, it was like a drama. You know, it, it was it was like like being a kid and watching Game of Thrones just to see. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. they killed that guy, and he's dead. You know, that that dead never happened gone. when you were in cartoons. Yeah, that was it was like so dramatic. And then a couple episodes later, they killed another guy. It's just show about you know a giant robot war, and yeah, they actually had consequences. That and that, yeah, that was when we, I was probably like fourteen. When I was really was all in. Yeah, we had animals of farting wood when we were kids, and it was like this cartoon english cartoon it was about like a badgers and foxes and stuff and they were just trying to live in the countryside and then there'd be this really dramatic episode where one of the animals was like hit by a car and died like this was like kids proper kids tea. this is on citv like this is like what? That's a like generational <laughs> trauma. <laughs> yeah, they killed the bunny, man. They killed the bunny. <laughs> Just um, I do have another question. Um, sorry, yeah. Tom. No, no, I was, I was going to say um, because we, we are two more to get through. That's it. But you, you can... uh, okay, okay, really quickly. Um, what is one adult joke that you're glad that you got inside the cartoon before? Ah, like, some people like, hey, 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 wait oh, a minute. Yeah, I, I know there's been a lot of BuzzFeed articles uh, about that. Um, yeah. Uh, Wow, I I I think I, I do remember uh, Miss Sarah Bellum, who who is uh, on the Powerpuff Girls. That is the mayor's uh, assistant, yeah. who actually you know because her name is Sarah Bellum, she's you know that is that is the handles all the higher functioning for the brain. You know that you know she's really the boss of it. I I think I remember one of the storyboard artists put her uh, address to her really cool home. Um, it, it was it was like uh, Yodel in the Valley. Uh, and it was like uh, yodeling in the valley. It's a yeah. oral sex joke. <laughs> so that's, yes. that's one of her. And I think that was also in an episode where they had a whole bunch of big Lebowski jokes and stuff like that. Yes. That, 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 yeah. <laughs> Craig, Craig was a huge uh, big Lebowski fan, and, and as most of us were. But yeah, he really wanted to get a lot of that in there. So that was cool. How, how much of that can you get away with? We were speaking to, obviously, I mentioned Mike Perkins we were speaking to, and I was like, can comic book artists leave little, like, naughty little Easter eggs maybe just hidden in the corner? There? So can you do that in animation too? 
Well, you know, especially in the digital age, it's a little bit harder because everything's in HD. And once people were able to freeze frame stuff, I, th- I think that's mm. when, like, you know, um, Disney had to go back and, like, you know, you know get rid of things, little gags that yes. put into, like, a Who Framed Roger Rabbit when Jessica Rabbit's skirt flies up and she's got nothing on. They, they had to change that. But, um, yeah, you know, we, we, we don't try to do anything really dirty, but usually we just try to put, like, little nerdy jokes, like magazine covers and stuff. And, um I mean, Teen Titans Go, the background artists, obviously get to have tons of fun because nice. they could, you know, because Dan Hip is the art director and he kind of leads that crew. And they're just like, well, if there's going to be a little doll in the corner, it's going to be a dark side doll or a, or yes. a Dr. Manhattan doll. Or if there's a magazine in the corner, it's going to be a, a teen, a teen beat kind of romance uh, magazine. But it's going to talk about how dreamy Animal Man is or something. Yep. So, yeah, they they got to have the most fun for sure. You know, but uh, yeah, the most the most we got to do as character designers is like if they said, well, there's just a generic character here with the camera goes by. Can I make a nuclear man from the Superman for the quest for peace? They're like, okay, (laughs) excellent. Like, I'm going to make this. Okay, there's two people standing at a party and we, you know, one guy's from the back. Uh, I'm just going to make him metamorpho and the other guy's going to be booster gold, you know, and stuff. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) fine. (laughs) Sure, go for it. You're like, yes, I got it. I win. (laughs) Another one for Chris Battle. Yeah. Another war for Battle. I I think certain, all that pop culture stuff used to be a lot easier back in the 90s. Like, if you look at the original run of Dexter's Lab, everything is a joke of Tron or Star Wars or anime. Uh, But once uh, IP became a big thing, everybody said, oh, we don't think you can add that because we'll get sued by so-and-so. Or or even like when you're dealing with big conglomerates, so like uh, so-and-so is planning on making a movie of that thing and we can't touch anything with that. But, But I think on Titans, we got like a wide berth because uh, yeah, I, I think because Robin, it, well, anything from the Titans we could do, and because of Robin, we had access to pretty much all the Batman characters. And but mm. but especially if it was like those real C listers that only the nerds will love, like you know, basically anybody who might show up on Peacemaker, Condiment or, or Man, a, or, 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 yeah, really, yeah. I, I think I actually did Matter Eater Lad once or something. But uh, yeah, if, if they're making a joke on Peacemaker about them, they might have uh, shown up somewhere on T Titans Go. <laughs> Amazing. Teen Titans Go movie, by the way, because I used to sit and watch Teen Titans. The who's on Cartoon Network and other kids, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'm watching this." I'm a big Batman nerd. I love that sort of stuff. But the movie, the movie for me, just oh my god, it was so amazing. It was just so brilliant. Like the the callbacks that you would make during the movie was just like it was so. It's it's such a fan service for us older geeks, you know. That that is definitely what Teen Titans Go is about. People people uh, who will be the detractors will complain. Oh, it's just this kid stuff. It's farts and whatever. Like, yeah, but if you're really watching it, there's all these like '80s jokes about '80s pop culture where you know. Uh, what happens if Cyborg gets uh, the Green Lantern's uh, ring? Well, he makes an, uh, a, a green energy construct of the Golden Girls, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, I had to draw the cast of Webster because we had a joke where Cyborg, like an old guy, is explaining what VCR tapes are and uh, the, <laughs> explaining about what Webster is, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, d- there's so much deep dive into either pop culture, but especially, yeah, all the deep, nerdy DC lore that only super nerds know so that that that's great where people caught on to that especially 
when the internet really caught on to when they went through like the uh, like Batman's garage or something, and there yes. was a urn there that was labeled Robin the Second with a crowbar <laughs> leaning up against it, you know, referencing that they killed off that uh, Robin in the um, you know Death in the Family storyline. I yeah. think that's when people really got behind the show. Mm. Ah, excellent. Right, we've got one more question from Facebook, and then I've got one uh, question from our past guest. This is a cool thing we've been doing recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Graham Arnold again, he asks, uh, "Who'd win in a battle royale if all of your characters that you worked on all went into a fight?" Oh wow, wow, that's tough. You know, uh, for for brute strength, I mean, the Powerpuff Girls would obviously win. You know, like like if Dexter had a giant robot, he could hold his own. But we've seen the Powerpuff Funny. Girls totally <laughs> trash all of Mojo Jojo's like three story tall monkey robots uh but of course jack he has all the strategy and the battle scope that, that that's kind of like one of those uh, who would win um batman or or um or wolverine you're like mm. i think batman outer smart outsmarts everybody and i think samurai jack would out, out, outsmart anyone or especially if the powerpuff girls were going to fight him he would be super zen about it and bob mm. and weave and dodge and then maybe uh you know uh, get uh, you know get get some real good spiritual thing about why are they fighting and we shouldn't fight and probably you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's good and I'm my answer to Graham is get a hobby <laughs> <laughs> we all wonder these things we all wonder these things uh, now what we did what we started to do now is we are trying to ask our guests to ask our next guest a question they don't know who's coming on the show we thought it was quite mm-hmm. a cool thing and our question to you from our last week's guest which was magician steve spade how's it going steve you watching the show um he asks you uh, who has influenced you more throughout your life men or women mm. yeah that's, that's a tough good. one yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I think just because of the nature of the business, unfortunately, there's, there's been more men who have gotten uh, more of their opportunity. But I, I got to say, though, it, it's kind of kind of evened out a little bit o- over the years, you know, because there's I, I definitely uh, and, and when I started my professional career, I learned about a lot of really great women artists over the years, though, be it, you know, from the 1960s, like Alice Provenson. You know, it was a great mid '60s artist to even my contemporaries like Lynn Naylor, who worked on like the original Batman animated and Ren and Stippy, and then worked on Samurai Jack with us. You know, so yeah, there's there's a lot of people, but I think just the nature of of the business probably learned more from men, but uh, women definitely have really come on up, and it's uh, you know it's evened out a little bit more. Thank goodness, because there's uh, there's so many good artists out there. Got to got to keep learning from them all. And next, can we? Can we ask you as well, if you've got a question for, you don't know who our next guest is, but um, if you, any question you would want to ask our next guest, that'd be nice to hear. Mm. Well, I I guess I'd ask them, what is their um, top guilty pleasure, uh, be it Mm. a cheesy movie, song, or a TV show that they, that has gotten them through uh, the last, you know, the last two years? Excellent. What what are they embarrassed to admit or, or hopefully proud to admit is their favorite guilty pleasure. Do you know what what we should do, Alex, is after we get like a year's worth of these, we take the question and then we have the answer, follow it behind it and take the little video clips of every single one of them. Just put it up as his own video. I think that'd be really Oh, I thought you were going to say, we release a book. Yeah, yeah, release (laughs) a book from you, suck. (laughs) From famous people that are not us. Uh, That'd be amazing. Chris, I got to say, man, you've been more than generous with your time with us. We really appreciate it, especially being out in LA. You're you're three hours behind me. So you woke up extremely early for this interview. I I, thank you so much for coming out here to this. Um, Where can... uh, where can people uh, keep tracking? Where are you going to see the next thing? Like um, Instagram, Twitter, anything like that you yeah. want to kind of throw out there? 
Well, I, I, I spread myself far and wide across social media. I mean, uh, definitely I'm, I'm usually updating on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I'm at Chris Battle Art and pretty much on, on most social media platforms, be it be it Facebook or even Tumblr or other things, but it's it's all at Chris Battle Art. And luckily, uh, my name is a little unique. So if you just Google Chris Battle, you're going to you're going to find something of me. <laughs> At the entire time, all of her is Ralph in the background going, what's a battle? <laughs> he said, what's that rattle? It's the air conditioning duck. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. This has been a fantastic episode. Wouldn't you agree, yeah. Mr. Alex Whiteley? No. Thank you to, to my to my wife, uh, Carolina, for, for getting in touch with Chris. And, and Chris, you're welcome back anytime. We love yeah. speaking to people that make these things with their bare hands so you're welcome back to talk about whatever, whatever. Yeah, happy to return once once i get that cool star wars gig yeah <laughs> the problem is you die right working on mandalorian babies <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so great. okay um so hey guys uh thank you very much for joining us today um if you love this content make sure you check out our website you suck network.com that is the home and hub for everything that's you suck there is this amazing show you suck podcast and there is also the thor's kin podcast which is the weekly yes, wednesday live show that they do it's a lot of fun moose cooper uh david rabies and Alex Whitesley. They get together with me. I know. He's going to hate me. I don't care. Um, And they do a lot of fun things. Like they have a Butt Chug Island, which is um, they basically just take the worst thing in the world and they just throw it in Butt Chug Island and get rid of it forever. And they have a little debate about the whole thing. And if you like what you see, yeah, yeah, there's been a few things. Um, I actually brought up some good stuff. We'll talk about that later. Um, There, you know, if you like our website, if you think, wow, what a great looking website, I wish I could do something like that. I wish I was clever as Tom and Alex. Well, we didn't do anything. We reached out to our good friends over at webwatch.com. Webwatch.com, guys, they are a website building platform. That's what they do. They um, they take your ideas and they make them into websites, whether you sell things on Etsy, you have yourself an OnlyFans, or whatever you want to do to promote you yourself. Like maybe they make chrisbattle.com, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They do stuff and they make websites and they promote you in the best way po- uh, possible. They make a beautiful functioning website that you know is going to thrill the masses. So if you have always scratched your head and said, man, I really wish I had something like this. I, w- I wonder how I can go about it. You reach out to the good people web watch.com and they're going to take care of you and just mention the USA guys nice brilliant yeah. chris you've been an absolute pleasure to speak to thank you so 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 much happy to um, join you guys this is how we say goodbye uh this has been you i've been alex whiteley i am tom bruno and um, thank you very much for joining us catch us next time peace out all right listen up spuds this is that brannigan eh? master of time space and everything else in between and uh oh yeah winner of this year's modesty award yeah You're listening to You Suck with Al and Tom. You're one stop for this sort of thing.